Hello and welcome to Further Faster, brought to you by Montaigne. I'm Daniel Nielsen and it's my job to talk to ultra-athletes, explorers, filmmakers, climbers and mountaineers, people who are at the top of their game to find out why they do what they do and how they do what they do. Now, Andrew Orell is an athlete, but he can also offer a completely different perspective on endurance races, that of the race director. So Andrew is the race director of the Montaigne-sponsored Grand Traverse series of races. At the beginning of April, he'll be overseeing the Grand Traverse, the original gruelling 40-mile point-to-point ski race that crosses the Elk Mountain Range in Colorado from Crested Butte to Aspen. It's a classic of the genre. And then in September, he's also directing the Grand Traverse Mountain Run and the Grand Traverse Mountain Bike between the two towns. So in this podcast, we get the race director's point of view on why competitors crash out, the complexities of organising a race that really seems very straightforward to us competitors, and what makes a great race event. Spoiler, ice cold IPA at the end helps. But we probably need that. Listening is brilliant. So, Andrew Arell, um, thank you for joining us from Colorado, I believe. Best of Butte, Colorado. Yeah, thanks for having me. Amazing. What can you see out the window? In my head, it's just kind of like beautiful uh, snowy mountain ranges. and. Well, that's pretty accurate. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, landscape of high peaks um, in this region. And um, yeah, currently we're kind of sloping into our spring season temps are starting to warm up um especially down in the valley but uh of course up at the higher elevations it's still very wintry um but yeah we're looking at uh, the final final weeks of spring skiing here in uh colorado cool and so you're the race director for a series of uh events um around the Grand Traverse. How many events have you got kind of under that banner and and yeah, what's coming up next? Yeah, so we're um, leading into our 24th edition of the Grand Traverse ski event, um, which was founded back in 1998. um, And and that has become a very longstanding legacy event here. the unique thing about the Grand Traverse is it's a it's a point to point event, right? So um, the ski event starts here in Crested Butte and then traverses over the Elk Mountain Range over to the other um, hamlet of Aspen, Colorado. Maybe you've heard of Aspen. Your <laughs> audience, heard of Aspen. <laughs> right? And uh, we can talk more about the contrast between Aspen and Crested Butte, but two very iconic um, mountain communities. And um, about eight years ago, um, we decided that um, we ought to look at building some uh, summer events off of the the longstanding winter race. And so we inaugurated our Grand Traverse run and mountain bike. And um, that's held at at the beginning of September. And a two-day event, we do the ultra trail run. Again, same format, Crested Butte to Aspen. Yeah. And then the following day, we hold a, a mountain bike event back, Aspen to Crested right. Butte. Um, participants don't necessarily do both the summer right. events, but, but um, it is an option. And you can even um, wrap in, if you've done the um, ski event in that calendar year, you're in our uh, triple crown contention. So we, ah. we hold a little separate um, competition around that, doing all three events annually. 
Great. And so you've got the you've got the the ski coming up soon. Give us a bit more of an insight into kind of what people are going to experience and how they set up, how long it takes, how far is it? Yeah, yeah. Happy to share um, kind of some course stats. And yeah. um, it is quite a, a, a unique event and uh, heavily supported by our community members. It's uh, it's still even though um, we're permitted to have up to 250 teams of two, the ski race is a, is a team event. What I was going to say that's very unique about this event is the midnight start. Ah, so, okay. uh-huh, and, I'll, and I'll go into the reasoning for that, but um, the course is approximately 40 miles again, between Crested Butte and Aspen mm-hmm. about uh, 7,000 feet of climbing and around 8,000 of descent. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it is a grind. It's a, it's a slog. It's not a, uh, a pleasant, um, ski, um, uh, you know, descent joyful. It, it really is an endurance competition. Okay. Um, the reason why we, we, uh, start that event or historically has always been so at the strike of midnight is because there are, um, are obviously snow safety concerns, in in that environment it's it's a it's in a backcountry context there is no um snow control we do send professional um snow safety professionals into the uh backcountry to in the days actually a whole week prior to the event to analyze uh snow safety conditions um and just um starting at midnight allows us to route those 250 teams through the crux of the course, uh, a big uh, around thousand foot descent off the top of star peak or star pass, I should say is the crux of the course. Mm-hmm. And um, when the snowpack is firm and locked up, there's just less potential for avalanches to occur. Yeah, we don't want avalanches to occur. No, and we have had an impeccable safety record over the years. And um, yeah, we take it seriously. And um, on occasions, the ski event does, is goes into what we call the grand reverse, where we're unable to actually route um, through to Aspen. We still hold a race up into the Alpine, but it comes back down to Crested Butte for the finish. Sure, sure, sure. And so they set off at midnight. What? When do people start arriving? Like how long? How long does this take? Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a whole um, range, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the current course record is just over six hours. Six hours, six minutes was set just last year, in fact, um, by a team of Cam Smith and Tom Goth. Okay. Um, so that's that's blazing fast. We literally raced them. From the start, I do in a in a vehicle to get over and uh, activate the start line. Um, we're in a race against those top competitors, but <laughs> I mean it can really stretch into the you know 14, 15 hour mark for those final um, miserable <laughs> competitors. I was going to say the ones that stop and have a sandwich with a nice view, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it's, not. It's, <laughs> They definitely, um, uh, well, I don't know what I was going to say, but, um, yeah, there's a whole range of abilities. We, we do, um, implement a cutoff at that star pass location. So, uh, 
competitors need to be reaching that. It's not even the midway point, but by 7 a.m. where um, our top competitors have already finished the race. Yeah. Um, some teams are just cresting star pass, but um, yeah, we do turn some folks around if they just can't make the cutoff. Cool. And and in terms of like recommended preparation for the competitors, like is it fairly open? Do you have to vet people? Is it you know you give it or do you just kind of give them a kit list and and good uh, question? Um, there is a mandatory gear list. That, um, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. That's to remind yeah, me of the but, podcast, which is an hour later, but I thought you were in LA, not in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're live now. Um, <laughs> for, really specifically for the winter event, um, there is a, a mandatory gear list and um, we clear each team to race, uh, checking that they are um, carrying those required um, essential items. Um, currently, there is no qualifying events for the ski or the run or the bike. Yeah. Um, we are towing, though, that we, we've seen such a, a wide expanse of participants. It, it's the, the winter events become quite a bucket list event. Um, yeah. So we are seeing some people really blowing up in the latter third of the course. And when you're out there, there's no easy way to get you off course if you're just become immobile. So I'm thinking that in the coming year, we actually may be implementing some sort of qualifying system. So sure. well, what, are the, what are the kind of the common problems that people come up against? Uh, well, blisters for sure. Okay. Blisters can definitely take you out. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, just pure exhaustion, you know, um, Starting at midnight, the temperatures, even here uh, late March, will drop very low. And we've seen some severely cold temperatures. And yeah. that will, you know, sap people of energy pretty, pretty readily. And yeah. then, um, but then the day warms up, right? Mm -hmm. If you do make that cutoff and you get over Star Pass onto Taylor Pass, and then you're at elevation and you're sustaining your elevation from, you know, 12,000 feet. Yeah. Um, just pure exhaustion and, and the temperatures warm up and then you're dealing with slow snow conditions and just, uh, slogging. Have there been any changes to the kit list over that, over there, over the time? Um, slight. Yeah. It's definitely evolved. Certain items have evolved, um, since 1998. Sure. Um, you know, we do require we've been lucky that, um, historically most, most of these events have had decent conditions, but there have been a hand few where, um, teams have got caught in ground blizzard whiteout conditions where, um, you've, you're basically, you can't navigate. And at that point you need to hunker down and, and bivouac yeah. on course and so we one of the required pieces of equipment is a, 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 a some sort of shelter where you and your teammate could bivouac together to wait out such conditions right okay okay and let's talk about the the running and the, the mountain biking races sure. as well so what does the do they kind of follow the same route obviously one goes from Chrissy boot to aspen and the other one backwards but is it is it kind of the similar terrain it's what are the yeah, yes and no characteristics of the, the run race in particular? Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, the the run is a pretty close approximation to the ski event. We we started at up on Mount Crested Butte at the resort area, mm-hmm. and um, it stays that that route stays a little bit higher once uh, further out on course. There aren't obviously the snow safety concerns, so we can um, keep the the race um, in areas where the ski course couldn't go. Yeah. Um, we end that race um, in a public park in Aspen at a really nice um, setting where we throw a party. And um, you guys know craft beer. That's oh, you betcha! Yeah, we <laughs> a great partner with Ska Brewing, so that flows. At our, we get, so we get Ska in the UK sometimes. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. great. You're familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, what's different, obviously, about the mountain bike? It's coming the other direction, right? And so, um, they have to tackle straight off the bat about a 3000 foot climb from the get go up the face of Aspen mountain, which is no joke. Um, it sounds pretty serious. Yeah. So if you, again, uh, make the cutoff, the initial cutoff, um, of getting over Aspen mountain, um, you're, you're treated to some really incredible single track mountain biking. And that's really kind of one of the hallmarks of Crested Butte is that we were one of the, the early, um, the, the sport grew out of, um, a lot of the, the folks in Crested Butte. So, um, you get to cruise into, um, history, (laughs) mountain bike history. I'm getting a picture of what Crested Butte looks like. It sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> yeah, well, come join us sometime. Oh my god, I'd love to see the run. Um, so you're the race director. That obviously we hear about race directors, and lots of people listening to this podcast will have done races or done plenty of races. What what do you see as your kind of kind of key role? Like when you when you describe it to people, like what do you what do you say? Uh, it's it's multifaceted, but you have to just be a grand orchestrator, right? <laughs> yeah. There are uh, so many moving parts, you know, operationally um, from the um, managing all the, the racer concerns and questions and, and their expectations. And then, of course, our, our partners. We have many um, brand partners that are essential to carrying out these events. So ensuring all of their expectations are met. Sure. But um, podcasts, that kind of stuff. Yeah, throwing yeah. in podcasts, <laughs> um, in the lead up. It's, yeah, being a spokesperson, a, a media presence but um i enjoy the work but it doesn't come without just uh it's a marathon for me putting these events on i'll put it that way yeah i bet so what you know you're two weeks out of the the winter event what stage are you at now like you know the route you're you're starting to check the weather on a daily basis you've got your volunteers you've got your staff is that yeah what, what do you What's what's the rest of your day? You know, it's nine nine o'clock where you are. What's the rest of your day looking like? Yeah, yeah precisely. We um, we don't know what the weather is going to look like. We, <laughs> yeah. and that's why um, we are now preparing to send out our primary um, three field teams that will start to go out and um, set the course starting next week. So again, coordinating all those those teams range from you know four to six members each and mm-hmm. some of them will be traveling by snowmobiles into um these backcountry locations others purely you know skiing themselves in 
And then um, next week, we'll, we have to establish our whole communication system. So we put up some temporary radio repeaters on the course, which allow us to actually be in communication with those field teams um, yeah. and, and, and be communicating what they're seeing. And, and then we're feeding them daily weather reports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some I'm, I'm preparing for this evening, holding a, an ancillary pre-event for, you know, our, our racers. Um, all of it, we're doing kind of a 24 year retrospective this evening um, with one of our competitors who, who has done every single one of our ski wow. events. So yeah. um, we're going to gather some people uh, for an evening tonight with a slideshow and talk. So mm-hmm. fun stuff like that. Um, yeah. 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 And then, and then when does it like, I mean, you, you, you have this, like you kind of know what's coming because you've done it a few times. Like yeah. when does it, when does it really start ramping up? When do, when do you start, when do you stop kind of logging off it? You know, <laughs> when, when, when are you like, Oh God, this is, I'll be here till midnight. When yeah. It sounds, like, it sounds like you may have done some of this type of work. No, before. I'm just guessing. Cause it just sounds like oh. a logistical nightmare, but yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a total, it can be a make your head explode. And yeah, as you get closer and closer to the event, it just becomes more compressed, right? Time, there's more to, a lot of the last minute um, loose ends are getting tied up. And then, you know, uh, we'll start our um, athlete clearance next uh, Friday. So participants will be arriving. And um, yeah, I have a whole nother army of volunteers who are not course volunteers, but who will be assisting with the check-in and that, um, gear check when athletes must come and lay out all their gear. So yeah, it really starts to get real, um, next Thursday, Friday in anticipation of all those, you know, close to 500 participants show, yeah. showing yeah. up and then into Saturday that continues. And then we hold a um, mandatory racer briefing on Saturday afternoon, yeah. rolling into the evening where we do, um, pre-race like avalanche beacon check and collect some gear bags to be sent over to the finish. And then, yeah, Mm -hmm. kicking it off at midnight and jumping in vans to race those guys over to the other side of the elk mountains. And then welcoming them in with a smile. Um, Yeah. Right. And then staying up all day the next day. I bet. I bet. I bet. Have you got the safety pins in? I'm the guy who turns up and never has safety pins. Oh <laughs> yeah, we got you covered. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Um, and and how does the how does kind of directing the the running race and the mountain biking differ from the from the ski? Yeah, it has its own challenges. Despite not having snow safety concerns, um, we have more um, on course aid. The uh, the winter race is built far more as a a a like a how do we say a minimally supported, um, back country event. Yeah. We literally yeah. only dispense water and hydration at two locations. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, really the only nutrition we provide is some hot ramen at the final checkpoint. Whereas for the run and the bike, we have five aid stations spread throughout that course. So, can, can, um, can I, can I just say the, the fact that you serve, um, ramen at the end of it is just, I've just booked in. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm there. Right. Good. Good. Why doesn't every race have ramen at the end? 
got me. It, it is ah, highly nutritional. Yeah. And delicious. Um, yeah. And, and then just the fact that it's two days, you know, in the summer, we're doing it, not just one grand event, but going back to back can be quite arduous for the race director. <laughs> <laughs> you said sounding tired already yeah <laughs> and and um yeah what are your you know what are your your concerns like what are the what are the common things that go wrong on the on the run and the bike like people come off and then you have to scoop them up or again is it exhaustion for the run like what yeah yeah we have um what are, I'm know, trying to think, what are the common things that that happen to people that we can sort of yeah. run as runners thanks like Thankfully, we don't have too many. We've never had any concerns with people getting lost. We've we always provide a well marked course, so we haven't had those issues. But um, you know, a, a forty mile run, maybe someone's just tipping their toes into ultra running. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's not the the hundred mile distance, so mm -hmm. you might get uh, some people who are a little bit out of their league and. Um, we do have the capacity in the summertime to shuttle folks uh, if necessary, if they just <laughs> not up to the challenge that day. Yeah. Um, weather can also actually be a concern um, in Colorado in September at altitude. Um, we get concerns obviously with lightning strikes yeah. and, it, and cold temperatures. We've had um, near snow can, um, temperatures, um, in the in the run so um we are now requiring you know some some mandatory layers you can't just go totally minimalistic and you need to be prepared as well for those type of severe conditions sure 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 and the on on the ski is that you know you have to do it in pairs do, does anyone fall out <laughs> uh, oh, just self-withdraw <laughs> Is that what you mean? No, or, just oh, like oh, all out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Having oh, done pair yeah. events before, I'm like, you've got to be, you got to be tight. To Big time, and um, that's. <laughs> I think we'll be discussing some of that this evening. Um, just you know, all kinds of weird stuff can ha happen with team dynamics, and what you'll actually see um, on the ski event um, is that um, pairs will carry a toe strap. So if one partner's lagging, yeah. the, the stronger partner will hitch them up to them just to oh, wow. keep them motivated and keep them, you know, yeah. tightly moving together at a relatively same pace. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 I bet you've seen all sorts with, yeah, pair races must be had had an extra level of confusion, I think, rather than... Yeah, I wish I, I could relate some better stories for you off the top of my head, but I can't at the moment. Sure, I'm sure it happens. Maybe they just keep it to themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and what about, you know, what about you? How did you, get, I mean, do you kind of, as the race director, is it kind of frustrating you're not doing it or? It is. It is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm an athlete. I'm not no uh, uber athlete, but I, I, I like to get out and adventure up in the hills and um, yeah. I'm still fairly young. I'm mere 43 degree, 43 <laughs> years old. Yeah. And um, I do have a strong urge to, I mean, there's of course other events, uh, countless other events I, I can participate in, but yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of 
You're a very insightful interviewer. You must have picked up on uh, some of my angst. <laughs> but I do. I mean, I what I take um, solace in is I love to um, curate the the athlete experience. Really try to at the finish line, you know, create an ambiance that is um, what I would want to experience. And so I take a lot of pride in that. And I guess that does provide me some solace, not actually being uh, in the events. Sure, sure. And as long as there's a cold IPA at the end. Yep, the that gets me through every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so do you participate in events throughout the year? Are you are you kind of doing stuff or are you kind of more? Yeah, not, not so com- competitively. I've done uh, a, a few ultra runs. Um, but, you know, wintertime especially, I'm nose to the grindstone because in addition to these grand traverse events, I'm also um, producing a couple other winter events, which are um, fundraising events uh, for our local, all of these events, including the Grand Traverse, uh, financially support the Crested Butte Nordic Center Okay. here in Crested Butte. We're a, a 501c3 nonprofit recreational um, ski area that grooms about 50 kilometers of Nordic trails. So wow, pretty busy in the winter and don't really get, have the opportunity for competition. Yeah. 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 And, but you, like going back, like your background, are you from mountain areas? Are you kind of Colorado born and based? I'm, I'm, I am Colorado born and raised, but down in the lowlands um, in the city are, capital city of Denver is where I grew up and, um, you know, as an avid, a soccer player, um, Alpine skier kind of came into Nordic skiing late in life, but did a lot of, um, backcountry touring very early. My father introduced me to, um, we would have father son outings into, um, there's a whole network throughout Colorado of 10th mountain division huts. Um, those reference, uh, a World War II unit in the United States had a, a ski mountaineering division, right? Wow. Who yeah. fought in Italy and um, a lot of places in WW2, but um, they trained in Colorado. And so back, um, I don't know when the, so a organization started to establish these backcountry refuges, right? Yeah. Um, and my father early on would started taking me to those and those were very fond memories of that those trips with him amazing what a place to be what a place to be growing up um brilliant well listen andrew um thank you so much yeah for your time like i say the 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 role of a race director isn't one that we've really touched upon in the podcast and i think what a lot of people don't really consider i know the some races you know most races just go so smoothly and that is down to an awful lot of hard work from people like you so um, yeah And, and the event that you you put on set they sound they sound amazing i'm going to try to get out there and yeah please do please come join us and it's uh been wonderful to connect with you and uh happy to talk again in the future thanks for your time that's great thank you daniel take care thank you andrew for taking the time out during this busy period um let's hope there aren't too many fallings out Uh, And thank you for listening. We'd love it if you could leave a review wherever you found this podcast. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks.